With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. And welcome to the very first episode of the Pelly Pod, basically, because it's been a minute. It's the first of 2021. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so as always, this is uh, Jesse Roger, and I'm here with Jonathan Palazzolo and Tyler Nye. And we're basically going to recap the entire season because we haven't been around. <laughs> no, it's been, what, we were undefeated last time we talked? Uh, yes, we had just played the first game. First yeah. game of the season, good lord. Yeah. It was high times, we were, we were a defensive team. We were 1-0. and Full of grit. Yeah, full of grit. <laughs> JJ Redick had gone off for like 33 points that night. That uh, no fucking way. Yeah, that was the first game of the season when like he like literally launched us into like that win. Can we unpack that first? Start with the JJ thing. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll start. That yeah, way. I'm cool with that. So, um, I'm gonna give my opinion because I've been pretty vocal about it. You have been. I've Jesse. Jesse's wins. more vocal than probably any storyline this season. Yes, yeah. this, this was the one that triggered him. Yeah. Right so here. I've been pretty like calm about the Pelican season, right? It's kind of been like, yeah, whatever. And there's been some other things that everybody else was kind of like mad about, but this one really irked me the most, and it, it had to do with the fact that. Once again, like, our front office can't do anything right. And and this isn't my opinion, right? This is just what everyone else is saying. But when you're making $13 million a year to not play defense and to be so untradeable that no team is willing to trade for you, at the end of the day, David Griffin has to do his best for this organization. And and no offense, I think we owe Dallas more than what we gave them because James Johnson has been awesome. Mm. Well, we gave Melly, dude. Oh yeah, well that's a whole another story. But but at the end of the day, right? Like I, the reason why this is so upset is because okay, I got traded. I understand this is a business, and I didn't get what I want. So now I'm gonna go on my podcast and and bitch and moan and call out this organization for being dishonest. But here's the thing, right? Say. Say David gets this 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 offer from from Dallas, right? And it's a really good offer. And he goes to JJ and says, "Hey, look, we got this offer from Dallas. Um, you know, we really want to take it, um, but I know it's not where you want to go. How do you feel about it? What do you think the first thing JJ Reddick's going to do? He's going to call his agent and say, "Hey, look, they're trying to send me to Dallas. I need you to release something, drive this price down, so they don't accept this trade, and I and I ultimately get bought out." That, that's not how this works. David Griffin has to do his best for this team. And I'm sure when Dallas called and said, hey, look, this is what we're offering for J.J. Redick, David Griffin was like, shit, say no more. Done. Right. He doesn't have time to notify. He doesn't have time to ask J.J. Redick, hey, is it cool if I do what's best for this organization? I mean, if J.J. Redick came here on a two-year deal. He chased the money, and it didn't work out, and he got traded. I mean, it is what it is. It's a business. I understand he felt like he was owed more as a as as a veteran of the game and and maybe he was but at the end of the day like to, to go on a podcast and bitch and moan about oh I, here, here's the thing right if this is some like two-way player no one cares about at the end of the bench no one's talking about it. everyone's sure. like sure. oh he just needs to suck it up well that same guy still has a family right that same guy is still a, a, a person it only mattered because jj reddick was vocal about it and everyone went to talk shit but 
I, I just don't agree with that. Like, it, it is what it is, dude. You got traded because you don't play defense. You're not offering anything to this team. I mean, you could say veteran leadership, but how many wins does veteran leadership actually produce? All right. Would not you, not that many. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, initially was very upset when I read the transcript of the interviews. And I'm like, damn, what a shitty thing to do about by David Griffin. But, like, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, everybody is going through the coronavirus, JJ. Like, everybody has a family that they can't see, JJ. It's not just you, you know? Like, this is, ev- like, how how are you going to come about it from that perspective and, and sort of, like, propaganda us into thinking that you had a unique situation that everybody should have tailored uh, or the Pelicans organization should have tailored their future plans to accommodate you. Like, no, that, like that's not happening. And if the Pelicans from now on, um, going forward, have this mentality that, listen, we're going to do what's best for the Pelicans organization. And if you're not like a huge piece, I'm sorry. If they're cutthroat like that from here on, similar to the way like the Patriots are kind of cutthroat, where if, if you weren't Tom Brady back in the day, like, okay, we're, we will trade you or, or we're going to do what's best for our organization. The Spurs kind of do the same thing. Um, so if they're um, if they're like that from going on, I, fuck it, embrace that role. Embrace that. And uh, yeah, man, uh, the more I thought about it, the more upset I was with JJ for coming out on his podcast and kind of look at me, look at me, look at me, and look what happened to me and, and feel sorry for me. That was frustrating to hear from a guy who I thought was uh, a little bit smarter than that. And then another thing is, uh, like, there was a, a comment on Reddit where it was saying, you know, JJ had the opportunity to stay close to his family in Philly. Like, yep. Yep. he was expected to stay, like, take a hometown deal or or, or close-to-home deal, and instead he chased money, didn't produce and then wanted to basically control where he went. Like, dude, you're just J.J. Redick. Like, no matter what, like, he, yeah, he's J.J. Redick, but, like, he's not fucking LeBron James. He's not Anthony yeah. Davis. Like, he doesn't have that type of power to control his future, right? Like, he's a above-average three-point shooter, and he wasn't even that this year. And then what else does he do good? Nothing. I'm happy you said that, though, man, because... A lot, like the, a big question is, what if the tables were turned and we were looking for um, him to do something in favor of the team? Well, he had that exact opportunity with Philly. He could have stayed in Philly, took a little bit of a discount just to stay in Philly, and did the organization a solid. And he's in a position to win a championship with Philly. He's way closer to home so he can drive to see his family. He had all of these opportunities. And what did he do? Nah, fuck you, Philly. New Orleans offered me more money. What did New Orleans do just now? Nah, fuck you, JJ. Dallas is offering us more money. Yeah. Like, they literally did the same thing JJ did to Philadelphia to him, and he's upset. Like, nah, dude. You're going to do what's best for yourself. The Pelicans are going to do what's best for themselves. And uh, that's just the, that's just, we've seen it a million times, but it's only a big deal because it's JJ Reddick who has the most popular NBA players podcast out there. I mean, slightly below ours in popularity, but very up there. <laughs> very comparable. So, so I have a couple things to say on that because I went back and watched the interview twice and tried to take my bias out of it because um, initially my reaction wasn't good like yours, Jonathan, but then you, you think about it 
And you kind of see what David Griffin's done in the past. Like, did Drew Holiday get where he wanted to go? Yes. Yes. Did AD get to go where he wanted to go? Yes. yes. Um, but look at the trade value of those. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's that's an argument people brought up. But here's the thing, right? Um, and it kind of goes to what y'all said when he decided to sign here. Some of the key words that makes this kind of all, I don't want to say fishy, but like it's a little off with his side of the story. And part of it is, is like, okay, JJ truly believes, you know, he may have been screwed over and maybe he really doesn't trust and he does believe that David Griffin only told him that, but that probably wasn't the whole truth, to be honest. It could be a mix up of both. Maybe JJ is in his right. And, you know, but he just doesn't know the the whole truth. Like you said, Jesse, maybe in a scenario like yours. But um, with the whole thing, JJ said one of the main reasons he came here was for Drew Holiday and Kenrich Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And that, right. I was like, you, you, there's no way you knew Kenrich Williams, first off. Because um, he said when they when they were getting traded, that's one of the reasons he wanted to leave. And he said, uh, you know, when Stan Van Gundy came in, I knew things were going to be different. It's like, bro, you were specifically quoted as the one who advocated for Stan Van Gundy. What the hell? That didn't add up. Yeah. And then, okay, like COVID's a thing, right, with your family. I sympathize with that. Regardless of the money he makes and the situations he's in, he wants to see his kids. He wants to see his wife. Totally get that. It's very understandable. And I'm sure David Griffin was very understandable of it. And, you know, that's why David Griffin allowed him to, you know, have an injury, right? So he could go be with his family. Um, and, you know, he, he even stated that they gave them, uh, he gave him like an extra day to go see his family when he could and things like that. You know, he tried to accommodate him. So I think David Griffin really did tell him like, hey, I'm going to try to get you here. Now, the problem is the teams he was looking at was, okay, 76ers, who we have already discussed he's burned a bridge with, mm-hmm. and why do they want him right now? They right. don't need him. Um, and uh, Brooklyn, yeah, okay, what? no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Brook, like That's probably a team he wanted to go to, but that, they don't need him. Um, and then, okay, maybe the Knicks, right? Do the Knicks need him? Maybe. Are the Knicks willing to give up assets to get him? No, not really. And that's the thing. Right? Why would any of these teams give up assets when they know if he gets bought out, that's where he's going to go? Okay. So David Griffin was doing right by him. But here's the part that really irked me with the whole situation. And I think JJ wasn't pissed that he got traded to Dallas. I think he was more pissed that he didn't get bought out. Yeah. Because he said, you know, we had conversations with David Griffin. I talked to him four times and he told me this to my face and this and that. And, you know, I was on a personal relationship with him. Trajan Langdon's there too, and he's a big dookie. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think he was having the, these conversations with David Griffin? All of a sudden, David Griffin's the bad guy. He's the only one pulling these strings. No. Um, and then on top of that, as far as it goes with JJ Reddick, like he when he said buyout, he said, you know, it was it was presumed that I would be bought out at this point. So he did not get a promise at that point that he was going to be bought out with David Griffin. Right. Yeah. That is where I think the agent and David Griffin was doing the talking. I think there was definitely a disconnect with that part of the deal. With the buyout. Right. Right. With the buyout. I part. think he wanted the buyout to happen because for JJ, you know, uh, but like a buyout, he's going to lose money. Was JJ willing to lose money? Was the agent willing to lose that much money? Maybe not. And Griffin's like, okay, well, you got to give me something if I'm going to buy you out. 
Yeah. You know, and if you're not going to give me something and you're just wanting to leave because you want to leave, then, uh, yeah, I'm going to trade you, bro. And we're going to get you to a good situation. We got you to Dallas playing with Luka Doncic and you're going to the playoffs. Congratulations. Yeah. But um, I think it was more, I think it had a lot to do with David Griffin probably telling him, hey, look, if we can't find a spot or a trade for you, then, yeah, we could probably talk about a buyout. Yeah. Because he, he but specifically then the trade said happened. presumed. Like, yeah. yeah, and I mean, a trade came, and Griffin or Trajan Langdon, I mean, both of them were probably like, well, damn, that's a pretty good trade for us. Yeah, and, and he stayed on the podcast. He was looking at his phone, you know, waiting on a trade, and he's like, oh, I guess nothing's going to happen, you know. And I, I, I'm pretty sure if a trade didn't happen, he was going to get bought out. So he wasn't even sure he was getting bought out. Yeah, the fact that he was looking at his phone, looking at stuff, tells you that he didn't even know the ins and outs of the deals that they mm-hmm. made. You know what I'm saying? So, because he was like, all right, I was probably safe. Good job. I, I thought I was safe at that time. It's like, so you didn't even, like, you didn't even know yeah. that you were going to get traded or not. So, like, that in my mind, if you were worried about being traded, then in your mind, you know for a fact that you don't have a 100% sure deal with yeah. David Griffin. And exactly. yeah. he does state that. He's like, I was naive for thinking. And this is what pissed me off. This was the thing I was like, really, dude? He's like, I honored my end of the bargain. No, motherfucker, you, you did, did not. Nothing. You, you did, did nothing. not honor your end of the bargain. You signed a two-year deal with us, right? And you played a you half played a year. Half a year. Well, for when he came here, first off, he was checked out day one. Day one, he was asking for a trade, and he says it on his podcast. Day At one, pretty this much. This season. Yeah, this season. Right, yeah. He asked for a trade before the season, he said. I don't like the reason why, too. Yeah, and, you know, it was it was weak reasons, but, like, he does want to be with his family, so, okay, that's that's understandable. But you're, he tried to say, uh, you know, it was because he was going to have to play defense. Yeah, he didn't like his role. Like, he didn't Sam like his Vick role, the, yeah. and he was going to lose minute time. Oh, is it because you can't play defense, or, you know, you, you can't be a playmaker at all? You can only shoot right now? Yeah, and what type of veteran does that? Oh, yeah. shit. A coach is going to come in that's going to make me play defense that I might not get minutes. I want to be traded. And it gives the thing, like he said with JJ, like a whole different light. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the season when he was talking about standing on his training camp and he was like, oh, shit, I got to do this again. And it's yeah. like, okay, so he had already asked for a trade at that point. Yeah. yeah. Dude, is it like, like it's, it kind of reminds me of like when you watch a movie and there's like a serious plot twist and uh-huh. then like the guy that you were watching throughout the whole movie, you're like, that's a sinister motherfucker. Yeah. And you thought he was good the whole time. You know? yeah. yeah. So when you watch it the second go round, you're like, no, this motherfucker's up to something. Like, I'm thinking the same about JJ right now. Yeah. All those times we were laughing at the jokes, like, ha, 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 he's really cool with Stan Van Gundy. These are funny jokes. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker asked for a trade Three. months ago. Yeah, yeah, he was trying to get out of there. <laughs> you know? And, like, the whole thing is, dude, you gave up on the team. Yeah. Why does David Griffin have any obligation to help to you, you at yeah. this point? And then you come on your podcast after the first week when the Pelicans were good, and you were like, damn, dude, we could be a pretty good damn team. Well, here's yeah, my all thing. All that stuff is weird. Yeah, and, he- and here's my thing, right? He's like uh, basically saying like, look at the message this is going to send the players that you know are, are might try to sign here. That's bullshit. Look at the message you sent to your teammates. You gave up on them prior to day one. You basically told Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, hey, look, you guys aren't good enough for me, and and I'm, I got to move on now. Yeah, yeah, and I get covid changed things with his family right and that can be his excuse and that's why and i'm sure the players would understand but the fact that he's like my agent's office will never trust them again okay you know who's part of like his agent group 
Josh, Josh Hart. Hart. Yeah. Do you think if the Pelicans offer Josh Hart, uh, let's just say, let's just say a nice size contract, probably most he's going to get on the market or at thing. You think the agents are going to be like, no, we're not working with you because you fucked oh, over damn. JJ. You're yeah. offering us three million more than everybody else per year. But you, but you told fucked over JJ, JJ you would buy him out. We're yeah. not going to deal with you. No let thanks. Me, let me cut my ten percent of this deal out. And, and then somebody was like. So uh, somebody on like this Facebook group we're, we're all part of was kind of like, oh well, when Zion Williamson goes to resign, he's gonna remember this. Yeah, no, sure. he's fucking not. Yeah, no, Three no. years from now, when Zion resigns for his max he, deal, he's not gonna be like, I remember that one time. No, he's, gonna, he's, he's gonna he's gonna see all the zeros on that contract. Yeah, he's gonna get right away. It's right not the fuck, even yeah. that. His agent is gonna be like, dude, we're signing this. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I think his agent's part of that same group too. But his agent's gonna be like, yeah, you're stupid if you don't sign this. Yeah, I think this is a. I want to talk about the media coverage on the JJ situation. It was it was fifty fifty. It was fifty fifty. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's it's interesting to see who covered which side well, right? Rachel so like, Nichols tried to throw a, a softball, but and like fucking yeah. One of the one of the things I noticed though, and we knew this, so like this isn't anything new, is when people were discussing the players in the trade, mm-hmm. and they discussed we gave up JJ Redick and Nicola Melli. Like, it's so obvious these people that have these huge opinions on the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson don't fucking watch the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Absolutely not. Because we were talking about the trade, um, and and I'm listening to these podcasts talk about what did Dallas get in return. Well, we all knew what they got in J.J. Redick, but then they started talking about Nicolo Melli. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys haven't seen a single Pelicans game if you're thinking that... Dude, I think Bill Simmons is like, yeah, he could be a good utility player for them. He could be a good utility like, player. He's going to fuck. He can, he's, he's, a, he's a winning player on a playoff team. He's going to play great defense. And I'm like, you're talking out of your ass. Because his feet don't fucking slide yeah, or move it's on like defense. You're talking out of... Yeah, he's going to have high effort, but did you watch this man play? I mean, he's, he's a... He probably watched him play no shit in the Boston game. Where right, he yeah. played at the end of the game because all Bill Simmons does is watch the Boston, Boston Celtics. Celtics right? yeah. And that was the one game like Melly played all season that was good to where people mm-hmm. were like, maybe you should get back in the rotation. Yeah. Because he was out of it, Bill Simmons, you yeah. dumb bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it was nice to see, okay, these people are making, for Pelicans fans, these big talking heads are kind of making fools out of themselves talking about the trade. Yeah. But then you hear like the players shit on J.J. Redick. Yeah, and you were like, okay, all right. That, it's nice to see honest media coverage on this. Yeah, and I think it seemed like Josh Hart was taken aback going off of his Twitter post when that happened. What did he say on Twitter? I forget what it was exactly, but it was like it was like, damn, that was low. That was yeah. That's oh, he what said it was. something. Josh might not be here next year. Well, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. yeah, but I mean, he might say that was low. But again, like the whole nature of the NBA is this is literally a business, like. When JJ, people are like, oh, you know, players are treated as a commodity. You know, they get moved and they're honoring their deal to the team. Well, in that deal to the team, it specifically says you can be traded at any time. And that is not an issue at all with the player when they sign that contract with all them zeros on it. It's not a problem at all. You know, yeah, you are taking that money. That's that's why you're getting paid so much. You get paid a lot of money yeah, what's that movie i forget what movie it is but they asked this really rich lady how much does a banana cost and, like one single banana right mm-hmm. and she's like it's got to be what like 20 40 bucks for a single banana she's so rich that she's like out of touch with like the basic commodities of like the average american citizen 
It feels like basketball players, when they talk about these things, do the same thing. Do the same exact thing. Yeah. You know, and it's I'm, like, listen, God, like, I want to be close to my family, blah, blah, blah. And you talk about these things. How can you trade me? And then you look at their salary and it's like $13 million. Dude, and it's a specific situation. The worst part about it, like, I get you want to be with your family, but there's six weeks left in the season. Mm-hmm. Six weeks. And then you look at his, you look at his converted warehouse condo in Brooklyn and he's got like Louis Vuitton. Yeah, fucking. Wall, and here's the thing. Just and like here's, here's, <laughs> and here's the thing. Just like Jesse said, a family was such a big deal. Sign the deal. Why didn't you sign with 76ers? Sixers, yeah. You signed with us because we offered you a fat fucking payday, dude. Yeah. And <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, I, th- I think this is his last year. I I don't think. What is he? 38? Thirty eight. He's thirty six. He's thirty six. Thirty six. Th- there's just not much he can offer. We spent a lot of time on JJ. Yeah, we but, did. I'll I'll finish with this. I thought Stan Van Gundy kind of said it best. He was like, you know, basically alluded to like, hey, look, I, I, I agree with the player empowerment movement. Players should have a say in where they go and what they do. And it is a business, but at the end of the day, it can't be a business for one and not a business for the other. You know, it, sure. it, what's good for one is good for the other. And if, if the team has to do its best by them, then the team has to do its best by them, you know? And... And that's that's all I was trying to say to to start Agreed. this. It can't be one sided. It can't be one sided. Yeah. Like you, we we as a Pelicans organization can't expect favors from the players. We can't yeah, like we're not gonna like let's, like like in this Josh Hart situation, right? Or this Lonzo Ball situation that's coming up. Yep. We shouldn't expect them to take a discount to play with their boys. But yeah. favors, you know what I'm saying? Favors like that, little emotional ticks or getting pissed off because you got traded to a place you want those may burn a bridge with that one player but p- other players that are trying to get their first big payday or the nice contract or their nice opportunity are not going to give a shit because it is a business at the lonzo ball did you hear him say anything bad no he had a perfect opportunity to be like, I didn't want to be here. You know, I thought what they did with JJ was wrong. I do want to be in a market like New York. He's like, no, I want to be here. And I'm sure there's Lonzo, if he went to New York or something like that, would be like, yeah, I'll be in New York. No problem. But I'll also be in New Orleans. You know, whatever, yeah. whoever yeah. pays me more. Lonzo, is what Lonzo, Lonzo played the business well in that interview. That's, that's what that is. Whoever yeah, right. pays me more. Right. And that's that's all it's going to come down to, and that's a lot of what it is. That's why it's a transactional business. I mean, a lot of people think it's black and white, and human emotions should be uh, heavily conceived. But Dell Demps did favors all the time. What did we get out of it? Nothing. Yeah. Any big player we got, we had to trade for. Yeah. And every and big player we've ever way. and every big player we've ever had, we had to trade for sense on it. Like, let's be realistic, okay? So trade or draft. Say, say we, we say do. we trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And we get the Lakers versions of Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. That trade looks fucking awful. Yeah. Say Brandon Ingram still has blood clot issues or whatever it was, and and Lonzo Ball never develops a three point shot. That trade looks like one of the worst trades in the history of trades because those draft picks don't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ingram, if he was still injured, wouldn't have signed a, a max deal with I'd, us. I'd, yeah, I'll do you one better, Jesse. What if we don't get Brandon Ingram and? David Griffin was the idiot, and he brings in Kyle Kuzma in a trade or something like that. And Brandon Ingram's a restricted free agent, but he's not going to re-sign with L.A. because LeBron's there, right? Yeah. And we can offer him money, and we do. And Chicago or someone else offers him money. Where is he going? He's going to Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, that's the thing with the Pelicans. Fuck free agency. Fuck hurting yeah. people's you feelings just... because 
the people who are going to sign here are going to sign here anyway because we're giving them the most money. And uh, everyone else, we're going to have to trade or draft. That's, That's just good, how small markets we, work. We literally were forced into trading the point god, right? Like mm-hmm. Chris Paul, like away for nothing. For fucking Chris Kamen. Al Aminu, Eric Gordon, this is a and, good, Austin, and essentially Austin Rivers at that time. I this think. is a good transition to start talking about what's been in the minds of the media lately, and that's Zion's future in New Orleans. Because we've witnessed this happen three times in New Orleans already. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, I guess we could talk about, like, Zion's crazy rise to, like, the top of the talent in the league yeah. and their viewpoint of him right now. Everybody, we, we haven't talked about him since Christmas. So, I mean, like... Everybody loves to say how quietly Zion is, like... Yeah, I don't what understand that. When those, those same people two and a half months ago were saying he's fat, and they still got people to this day saying he's fat. Like, it's very unfair because, I mean, you kind of saw Giannis get that same treatment, right? Like, when he's dominating a fucking league... He had 47 tonight. Yeah, when he's dominating a league for these past two seasons, all the narrative was, is it enough for him to sign an extension? You know, like, is the are the Bucks doing enough for him to sign an extension? And he signs the fucking extension. But anyway, we're getting that treatment now um, with Zion. And Devin Booker's getting that treatment in Phoenix. And they're the fucking two seed. So it, it just sucks from that perspective. But, I mean, I don't know. Just kind of staying on topic. How amazing has it been to see Tyler's vision of Zion Williamson <laughs> I don't think um, I said. I don't think I said true. point Zion. No, shut up! I'm giving you fucking credit here. You got to take it. <laughs> I because earlier, credit. earlier in this season, before the season started, when we were previewing this season, uh, Jesse and Tyler and I didn't even think about this because it wasn't even in my thought process because I listened to these other Pelicans podcasts. Everybody said the future of the Pelicans is small ball center with Zion playing the five. Nobody talked about him as a playmaker. Nobody talked about him as a ball handler. None of that. It was, he needs to be our center. He needs to be the small ball five. And the Pelicans are going to take off. And he's not that. He's turning into that that Luka Doncic role, that LeBron James role, that Giannis at times role. Well, I guess a little bit more often with Giannis too. But he's turning into that level of a superstar. And it's been a lot easier to take in what this season has brought because Zion has developed into a bona fide top what 15 top 10 player this year mm-hmm. top 15 maybe well yeah and I think all you had to look at was a few factors and one it's his talent level it was it was literally off the charts you cannot be like yeah he's gonna be a big he just did too many unique things to be like yeah he's gonna be a big or or like oh, you know, we'll do this niche thing where we put him at the small ball five and closing lineups and stuff like that. Like, Can't box you, him in like that. If you yeah. saw what he could do at Duke and you saw just like how he liked to play, and like I said, uh, we we had said this in the offseason, if he can just work on his handling, which he has, mm-hmm. as we can tell. Clearly. Uh, with his nasty little in and out. Mm-hmm. But um, like that's it. He's a he's a bowling ball. He's a wrecking ball to the rim. I mean, that's essentially what LeBron was in you know his seasons. And I mean, LeBron was a bit more of a traditional wing, obviously, and would take jumpers. I mean, that's the unique thing about Zion is he's only taken like I think twenty jumpers outside the paint for his career mm-hmm. or something like that. It's something crazy, but uh, he's just too fast. He's too fast. He's too explosive. He his touch around the rim is just 
I've never seen anything it's like the before. Be, it's the it's the ball just kind of glides out of his hand and hits everything so softly. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I, I really don't know how he does it. There yeah. was that one where it looked like he got fouled and he looked like he was about to dunk it, and he just like it just comes off the top of his hand yep. and just hits yep. the backboard perfectly and goes in. And you're like, what the fuck? How did mm-hmm. he make that? You know, and you watch, and then you, meanwhile you got Eric Bledsoe going to the rim, and you hope, and it just hits the top of the rim. Oh my god! <laughs> and oh. Just, uh, but I mean, as far as that goes, that is just an obvious way to go because if you if you box him in like that, you were just boxing in the team's potential, and you could just tell from day one that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, it just it, it was going to take him time, and. To be honest, I was getting kind of worried. I thought the league might have figured out how to stop Zion in the first 15 games. But he was still putting up good numbers. And then give props to Stan and Co. And, you know, the adjustments that they made. um, And then the players around him, of course. But the problem is he's doing the same thing. But now, like, it's so great. He's kind of simple. But, like, how he plays the game, right? When he sees a screen coming... He's got he's got people who are like oh well all Zion can do is go left all he can do is dunk all he can do is uh, go to the rim well here's the thing like there's so much of the game happening before he even does that because he's so good at reading defenses like mm-hmm. it's kind of insane like how young he is and how good he is at it when people come off the screen if one guy's leaning into the screen he'll fucking burst the other way. Or on the next play, he kn- the guy knows, okay, he bur- he went to his right this time, so I'll try to like stay even with him. And he'll just use the screen and burst the other way. And the thing is, two guys will try to come through, and he can just cleave light right through them. And then his amazing finishing ability makes it a basket every time. And he should obviously be, um, honestly be averaging 30 points a game if he got half the fouls he should get. Yeah, it's amazing seeing Zion's adjustment to that too because he did have a little bit of trouble with it last season. Maybe it was due to injury. Where it seemed like he was taking a lot more charges and getting the ball swatted a little, like he quite gets, often. He still gets blocked, blocked a, lot, a lot, but yeah. it doesn't matter because him getting blocked is like, I don't know, what, 5% of the time? And the other yeah. 90% is him either getting fouled or getting a bucket? Yeah, but it, it seems like less of an issue as of late. Yeah. It, it, it just seems like he's uh, adjusted his game to that. And you're right, Tyler. Like, yeah, they know he's going to the rim, it doesn't matter. Like because he's so he's become so really crafty and with his handle, um, and he's getting a head start from further away from the basket. So I think that helps out as well. A lot of the screens with Stephen Adams is it has has helped out a lot as well. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, really becoming legit three point threats this year as well. I mean, he just whatever would. That was the thing. That was the thing JJ did for us. Is he had he helped create the guard setting the screen for Zion? Yeah, right. That was that's a good play. Yeah, it's a great play. But all of those screens, you like, you can just see whatever the defender does, Zion counters it perfectly. If they're hedging hard on the left, he just goes to the right. Um, and all of this action is being set up beautifully through like these little mini pick and roll games and that Steve Stan Van Gundy has. And they can't really set traps because they got to kind of put a big on him because of his physicality. You try to put someone smaller on him. He's just, that's it's, it's game it's, over. Th- there's nothing nobody can do that's smaller on him. You see guys who are just a little smaller being told to, you know, they'll put a guy like shit, like PJ Tucker or somebody like that on him. Who's like his size and stuff like that. Tristan but they're Thompson. just like, they're not, they don't have that length. Yeah. You know, like some, teams do like boston did for instance 
um, it, it just doesn't affect them. So, and the problem is that, and they got to bring these bigs out and these bigs coming out on the screen don't really know what to do because you can't really set up a, a good trap style system against them. Um, and if you back off, because you know he's not shooting, right? Mm-hmm. If you back off of him, all you're doing is giving him one or two steps of explosiveness at the rim. Yeah, yeah. and that's, and what, so that's what he, what he you, wants. That's exactly what he wants that space so he can just take off and... He's just playing it extremely well, and it's crazy that we haven't talked about him and since then, December because, I mean, these numbers on a winning team is a legit MVP candidate. Yeah, and he comes down the floor the next time, and now he's the role man. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like, having to adjust like that on the fly for a defense is tough enough, and then combine everything else that he just does offensively is amazing, and his defense has been um, taking good steps. He's not a Duke-Zion-level defense, no. but... I don't know if that hit that level of defense isn't really his defense as more as he was just that talent and athletically gifted that compared he could just to, do everybody that compared to everybody else yeah. in the league, but he is getting better and you could tell he cares on that end. So in respect um, to our, like respect to our team too, last year was infuriating uh, quite often. Cause we were like, dude, just pass it to Zion. Just give it to him. Like, I know it's not like a wide open layup or a wide open out of the oop, but if you're on a pick and roll situation, or if you see Zion as the cutter, just give it to him and let him go finish. Mm-hmm. They've done that a lot more this year. Yeah, I'll, I want to give Jesse a turn, and then after, I want to say one other thing I've noticed about Zion. I, I think the biggest thing for me is is just seeing him pass out of double teams. Um, it yep. seems like he yep. rec- he's recognizing that really well, and he makes a lot of passes that, I mean, it, it's you just wouldn't expect him to make. Oh yeah, dude. His his his, uh, his ability that, to see the full court is just it, it's it's so much better than it was a year ago, and and he's just scratching the surface. Yeah, that was the like other thing that had me going. Okay, this guy can really be a playmaker, um, you know. And I thought more of maybe a wing, you know, maybe put Brandon Ingram at the two, but he's he's playing the point position. But his passing ability is insane, you know. And he kind of always knows where people are at. You know, and really his turnover is more just because he runs into three people. It's not yeah. off of errant passes mm-hmm. or bad decisions or anything like that, really. It's more he just bobbled the ball. Like, yeah. Or the opponent, the, the the guys who clean the floors never wiped up all the sweat. Yeah, he's or slipping. he's getting chop blocked. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, yeah. do you ever see some of these no calls on him? And he never complains. He just kind of shakes his head, man. He never well, I've anything. seen him a couple of games in the last few weeks where he's like, dude, what the fuck? fuck like, yeah. You got to call a foul. And you'll see like on the replay, it'll just be a dude just literally going karate kid on him. Just because that's what they got to do. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're told by the coaches now because he's just not going to get all the calls. They're like, look, just do that and just just bother him. He's he's getting, um, fuck, what's the term? What'd they do to Jordan? What? Jordan rules? No. It's it's what they would do to Jordan in the uh, play. They beat the fuck out of him whenever yeah. you go into the paint. Yeah, it was called Jordan rules. That's what it was? Yeah. I thought it was another name. No. Okay, well, yeah, it was like Jordan rules. And, I uh, thought it was Hackershack without the actual free throws. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's they, what it they, feels like. They would do a thing basically to stop Jordan from getting in the paint, and if he did get in the paint, they'd make him feel it because it was the playoffs. Yeah. They weren't going to call as many fouls, so they were going to hit the fuck out of him and mess his game up. But. I, I will say, though, man, I know we're talking about how crazy Zion has been this season. Looking, Tyler told me, man, just just watch Zion and enjoy it. You know, and it's gonna yeah, make it's gonna do. make the roller coaster 
of having a young, inexperienced team that clearly doesn't know how to win regularly. Like That's we why just, I watch. We just don't. Like, the bottom line for me is we have, what I did, it's six or seven players that are 23 or under that get significant minutes. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to win. We like we, we literally don't know how to pull off games. And, and that's been apparent. And that's been apparent this whole season. Like, we, we, how many games where, if you look at the probability chart, it's above, what, like 80% in the fourth quarter and we end up losing? Um, or how many double-digit leads have we blown? Clearly, it's just a team that hasn't put it together yet. Maybe we're one or two pieces away. Um, or maybe we're just the, uh, one or two ex- years of experience away playing together. Whatever it is, we haven't put it together this season. It's been extremely frustrating. But Tyler said, listen, man, watch Zion. Watch his growth. We're literally seeing the genesis of a superstar happen right in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. And it's made this season a lot more palatable uh, for me. And hopefully this uh, the patience um uh, experience in this season with this team pays off. Yeah, that would, we start putting it together and getting some dubs next season. That would be my advice to everyone else because Jesse, you know, you give credit to me for Zion, but give Jesse credit on calling this season because he called it perfectly. He fucking did. Yeah, he um, did. He did earlier. You know, he saw the flaws in this roster right away. Uh, he thought it was stack heavy. He said there was going to be coaching issues and stuff like that. But the one, I'll, I'll let him have the floor. But the one thing I'll say about Zion is I really do, like we talk about this team can't really perform at the end of the games. I have a different feeling about that with Zion. He didn't get much of a chance at the end of the games earlier in the season. It's a, he was out the, he, off the floor in some yeah, games. Yeah. And, but I really feel at the end of the games, he is like, he might not be at, impacting as far as bucket scoring that much um, because it becomes, you know, so crowded in their form. It's really hard to score at that point in the game. Because uh, six minutes in the fourth quarter, defense is a totally different thing. But he's starting to do it now. And not only that, if he's not doing it, he's impacting in other ways. And when he he's a, is he a 70% free throw shooter right now? He's got it yeah, up to close to 70, yeah. 70, yeah. When he's shooting free throws at the end of the game, I'd love to see the stat. But I feel like he's almost automatic. Like, yeah. I want him at the free throw line over most people on the team right now. Which is crazy to say because he's a 70% free throw shooter. But at the end of the games, he's he's making them. Yeah, and after seeing B.I. and, I guess, Nall lately miss some clutch Ooh. free throws. Oh, boy, yeah. Um, yeah, Zion seems like if the pressure's on, he, Zion's there. He wants that moment. He wants the pressure. And that's another thing. I mean, I'm cutting Jesse off again. My bad. Last thing I'm going to say um, is Zion is our closer. And I feel like we can confidently say that right now. That wasn't the case in January. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't the case yeah. as soon as January. So going forward next season, I don't think those games are going to be as much of an issue because literally we have Zion there to kind of control it, and I think he's it's a, inval- like it's a very valuable learning experience this year for him to see that he can be that guy down the stretch, and he can literally will us to victory. And hopefully if we literally win just half of those games that we should have won, this season, we're what the eighth seed, yeah. maybe the ninth yeah, seed, yeah, definitely in the playing game, definitely. So the next thing we'll talk about is, um, oh, you didn't want to say nothing there, Jesse? No, no, because there's there's a player I really want to talk about. Okay, mm, I think All I right. know. Go ahead, my friend. So, um, he's pretty much one hundred percent fan approved. Nah, yes, indeed. Oh, okay. I mean that is that is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Kira Lewis Jr. He's he's been really surprisingly. Hold up, awesome is it to Kira watch. or Kyra? Kyra, Kira, I, I don't know. Now you got See, me confused, the, bro. I've always said Kyra Lewis. I've always since said the Kyra too. I'm but I know sure a lot of people it. say 
a lot of people call him Killer because of Death Note. The dude's name is Kira. Oh, oh shit! So like every time I see his name, I literally say Kira. Like in my head, I have Kira, but it's Kyra. Dude, okay. Real quick, so on the broadcast, do y'all hear when they talk about Willie Hernan Gomez? Do y'all hear Willie or Billy? I hear Billy. They say what Billy. Do you, what do I, you hear, hear, I hear Willie. What do you think they say? I know what they say. What do you think they say? They probably say Billy. They do say Billy. Yeah, because they asked them to. But I he, still hear Willie. He wants them to. He wants them to call him Billy. They asked him what they wanted to yeah. call him. He said okay. Billy. So yeah. they call him Billy. Oh, right. Damn. Just a quick trivia. So so back to our rookie. Um, unbelievable speed. Like yeah. what was it two games ago where he. I mean, they think there was like three seconds left on the clock, mm-hmm. and he literally went court from one end of the court to the next, and scored on a layup, and still had time on the clock. Just elite speed. Like his speed is something that you just you just don't work on. That's something you just have. Has talent. Yeah, and and he's really good at finishing at the rim. Um, he he he's never puts us in a bad situation. Like I can't think of a time where I was like, dude, what a horrible fucking pass. Like. No, he always makes the best pass, and and he's he's so in, in pick and roll. He's just so quick to the basket, and even if someone does cut him off, he's just always got his eye out for the outlet. And 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 I've been impressed for what he's a pesky defender. He's always good for a steal or two. I, I just think um, that that was a steal right there. I <laughs> see what you did in there. <laughs> no, I'm impressed with how he plays um, on on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's he's underweight right now. For sure, and that was kind of one of his issues when he was getting drafted. But um, you know, he does run pretty much on offense when he has the ball. It's a lot of simple pick and rolls for him. Um, but he's really good out of them. You know, he can turn the corner so well, just like you said, Jesse. But like, what's really interesting is how he reads it. He's scored on every level off of a pick and roll. You mm-hmm. know, he doesn't settle for like a lot of rookies. Just kind of get stuck in that pain area. And they just kind of rely on a floater. And you saw him doing that at first. And then he started going to the rim. And he was starting to get baskets. And now he's starting to cut to the rim. And then, like, I saw him tonight. He came off a screen and just pulled up for a three right away. You know? And his jumper, uh, he's getting, like, a little more arc on it. can be kind of wet. Dude. It's, a, it's a pretty nice stroke. And I think, like, once he starts to get his NBA legs under him, um, he, could be, he could be a good shooter. And, it, you know, I had talked about this. If you go back on our last pod, I don't. I think it was the last one or whatever. But in this NBA, speed like that is dangerous if you can shoot, because the Aaron Fox is amazing, and we know he's amazing, right? We watch him, and he's fast. He's the fast player in the league, probably, um, and he can get to the rim, but he can't really shoot. But if you can shoot, that's one of the things that made Steph Curry so great. Is not just that Steph Curry can shoot, but how quick he was and how quick he could get a shot off. And if Kyra can get, I'm not saying he's going to be Stephen Curry or anything, obviously, but with speed like that, especially if you can move laterally and, you know, create that quickness and come off screens. And basically at that point in this NBA where you get fouled, if you, you know, your pinky gets touched off a jumper, um, it's, that's dangerous. And, you know, and when you can finish at the basket as well, and you have an in-between game and you have everything else, I'm just really impressed on the offensive end. On the defensive end, he gets in his man. Um, he fights over screens really hard. He, uh, you know, he 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 just tries. He fouls sometimes, but he's just he he makes his man feel him. And you know that's part of what defense is. If you can't impact it out of physicality, you do it in every other way. And he's had some impressive steals, and 
he's really good on the fast break as well. So I've been impressed. Yeah, I think Kyra is is only being held back by experience. Yeah. Um, I literally think he's gonna once he gets more minutes, and that's why I told I told you guys the number one thing we need to do is find a suitor for Bledsoe because the only thing that's holding Kyra Lewis back is, is that's Jonathan's favorite player. If yeah, Eric know. Bledsoe draws me insane as as with most of y'all. But um, yeah, no, uh, Kyra Lewis, you can just tell the dude unbelievably ridiculously fast. I've only seen what, uh, and he's smooth fast too. It's like a De'Aaron Fox, not an explosive fast like Russell Westbrook. But uh, he's crazy smooth flats. He's got an amazing floater for a 19-year-old kid. Floater game at all angles is legit. He's yeah, got he a can adjust the game. speed on his floaters, too. Yeah. Just how fast he comes in, he kind of just throws the yeah. ball. It's and he, nice. he, he needs to have that because that shot's going to be open for him his whole career. His entire yeah. career, that shot's going to be there. Um, his mid-range shot, every time he shoots a mid-ranger, I'm thinking it's going in. His mid-range game is nice. Three-point shot lacked early on. Entirely hit it on the head. It was flat as hell. Yeah, it was, was extremely flat. flat. Um, he's starting to pick that up. It and also looks like he puts one of his. Is it just me or does it look like he puts one of his toes in? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't foot, looked at it. It almost looks a little awkward. Which I haven't seen that. He works sometimes. It's a little off. To and me. and this is coming from a player who really didn't have much of a Anything. training camp. They, they they can't practice right now. They can barely practice because of how jammed the schedule is. Um, didn't have a summer league. And Griffin said he would have been fine if he wouldn't have played this season. So just 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 off of how he's played and how he's come in and how he's adapted, I, I just think if he was getting the same minutes as I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a crazy statement here. If he was getting the same amount of minutes as Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball, I think there'd be some conversation, He'd more be, conversation behind him. Yeah, I mean it's it's a tough call. I mean it's tough to say for sure, but uh. He has all the talent. I mean, the talent's there. I mean, he led the team in scoring. Tonight. Kyra Lewis if is one really, of those. He's one of those players. Like you can't look at his stats and say you know something about this player. Mm-hmm. You have to watch the Pelicans play, and you have to watch Kyra play with the ball in his hands and see him score, see him get into the lane at will, see him make the right pass almost every fucking time. And you know this kid's gonna be. We've already put him in this category, and I can't believe we're doing this because he's only, he's only played a handful of games. He's part of like that core piece moving forward. Like he is going to be in the Pelicans' long term plans. You can will, see it. I will if, say that, or he can be the piece that nails you a star player. Like if we're ready right. to compete next season, for instance, and let's say it's Washington with Bradley Beal. I'm not saying that's the case. Mm-hmm. And they look and they're like, "What are we gonna get?" Ooh, Kyra's nice. Okay. How dare you? Like he could be, I, I know. How I get ki- dare I you? Get killed. Talk about him like that. But like, I'm just saying, like that's how that's how it works in the NBA with these big pieces. Because guess what? We were the same way when we were looking at what Boston and Lakers could offer for AD. You know, we're like, oh, that's nice. We'll yeah, take I'm, Brandon Ingram. I'm um, I'm so, I go back and forth so much on that, and I, I have trouble being definitive. Do I want? Do I want to grow this team? In this small core, right, Brandon Ingram, Zion, uh, I think we probably have to throw Lonzo Ball in that. We'll see. It's just the but NBA Kyra, is so volatile. It yeah. doesn't really happen where rosters stick together that long. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of, like, replicating what, like, the Spurs did. You and know? that's what I think That's what I think the Pelicans are going for. They're, they yeah. believe in the young—what the Spurs do is the Spurs— that's why they don't, the Spurs don't trade anybody. 
Um, I actually listened to a Zach Lowe podcast. I think it was Kevin Pelton or whatever. But they bring him on, and he had worked for the Spurs. And Zach Lowe's like, why do the Spurs not trade players? And he's like, um, he's like, well, look, here's the thing with the Spurs. When they bring you in, it's like getting hired at a company. And it's like, okay, well, that actually makes sense. Because a lot of people remove basketball from real life. Mm -hmm. They just do that, and they think it operates differently. But it operates just like getting a job at real life. If you're recruited for your talent and they like you, then they're investing in you as a company and they want to keep you on, you know, you're, you're their talent. You can make them successful and they believe in you and they invest in you in training and development. And they don't want to just let you walk for nothing. They don't want to just give you up for some dude that might make them 10% better this season. They, they believe in you and you're a part of essentially their family, their culture. And that's a big way that pop and RC Buford does it in uh, the Spurs organization. And I think the Pelicans are doing it the same way. There's just been a couple times where David Griffin has said it, and where he said, you know, they expected Jackson Hayes and um, Kyra to both have redshirt seasons because they're not ready yet. But like they had no problem if they didn't even play a, a down because they believe in them mm -hmm. and they were going to believe in them for the next four seasons. And um, what they've invested in player development as far as the people they bring in. It's just really interesting to me, and I think that you're correct. That's the way that they're going with it uh, in the way of the Spurs. So you actually could be right, because I'm giving you an example of previous things, but you know how many small market teams has that worked for? Not many. And no. then you see the Spurs, the way they did it, did work, right? So maybe that is the way to go about it. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, you can go... You can go either one of those ways, and we've seen successful models on either side of those things, right? But have we? We have. I mean, we've seen the Spurs build a culture, draft really well, keep the core in place, and I'm talking about a solid no, four. No, I'm saying they didn't. Oh, drop my mic. That's all right. They didn't trade for a star, though. No, they didn't. I'm saying, but we've seen teams do that. Yeah, which ones successful. were successful? Well, we've seen um, Brooklyn had a very... Small market. Small market. When it's a big market, they don't count. Small market. Think again, because Brooklyn can sign free agents like they did with Kevin Durant. Yeah. We couldn't sign Kevin Durant. So you really haven't... If you're talking small market, who is who is the two big small market uh, teams uh, this decade? I mean, New Orleans, Memphis. Well, that's been successful? That's been successful. Milwaukee. And San Antonio. And well, two got to the finals. So you're talking about... Oh my god, dude! I wasn't ready for it's the Spurs and OKC. And what did they do? When when draft draft? It was draft. Yeah, it was draft. They believed in their young players and, and their think, young players and the talent that brought them there. And I think Oklahoma City is probably doing a similar. So what do you do with these picks then, right? Like, what do you do with this war chest? We can't just draft a million players. They can't all play for us, right? Mm -hmm. So then, in that case, maybe you're not. Maybe we need to lower expectations about bringing in a superstar. Even though Griffin has shown that he tried to trade for Beal, supposedly that was out in the I open. I think he'll still go for a big piece if he can get it. I but it doesn't, have to be a, do it. it doesn't have to be a superstar, though. Like, that can just be a a piece that we need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be this big splash player, right? It could just be the guy that moves the needle for us. I've heard your boy Sabonis was rumored so bonus like a move like that is what i'm talking about it doesn't yeah. have to be the bradley beal it doesn't have to be the carl anthony towns that's another popular one that i see quite often because he's and, he's in an anthony davis -like and the situation. thing is we still have zion williamson yeah. like he is our big piece and bi i mean yeah, yeah. like look we want to we, we can talk about bi but like we want to say like he's not bi as a number two 
as a nice. number two is nice. Is yeah. definitely. I mean, they're the. I think they're right now. If I'm not mistaken, if they're not number one, they're top three as far as the scoring duo in the league. They're num- you got your number, one and two. I think they're number two. Number one, um, they did like a 25 and under duo. They're like the best 25 and, and under. Oh, okay. Duo. Yeah, yeah, but they're like top three in the league. No, I think they're number two in the league. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you yeah. have your one and two. Yeah. Like that's and that's set. and that's what we're saying is with with these picks, right? It it doesn't have to be packaged up for Bradley Beal. Like if it if it does result in that, then yeah, I mean, great. But I mean, ultimately, like if you get a guy like Sabonis, so you plug some holes and and three and three point shooting, or you find guys who are just lockdown defenders, I, I, you just go for it. like those are the guys who are going to move the needles, well, like. Guys that don't need the ball in their hands twenty four like, you know, for the mm-hmm. entire game. Like just guys who just or are you, out there. Or to play. you use those picks to move up and get the guy that you want in a draft. Yeah, you know, got, yeah. Something like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Bradley Beal. It doesn't have to be a Carl Anthony Towns. We don't have to be the receiving end of an Anthony Davis. We can just make smart moves. And I think if we keep that in mind, we don't have we, we can lower our expectations on what the return is going to be for these draft picks. Yeah, I just think it was interesting because I was like of the opinion that hey, you you normally how it works in the NBA, you build up these young players. If you're not a competing team yet, you build them up as assets, and mm-hmm. yeah, maybe they become superstars and you resign them yourself, or they're just good enough to where you can trade for that superstar if you're ready to compete now. That's been a common model. That has been a common model. You're absolutely but, right. For small market teams, which is what we are, let's let's mm-hmm. get it straight. That model has not been successful. You can't, I can't think of any off the top of my let's, head. Let's just think of some small market teams right now. Utah, their stars are homegrown. Utah, they've, they've signed they signed a couple pieces here and there, right? But nothing big, just like you said, impactful mm-hmm. players, but nothing that's moved the board. They, right. you know, um. I'm just trying to think of Utah's other. a good model for us, in my opinion. I mean, That's even good model. Even I mean, Memphis, you know, Memphis. Memphis is doing similar things that we're doing. Do you guys yeah. consider Denver a small market? No, Denver's I don't. not necessarily a small market, but I, don't I, think, I just don't feel like nobody's like, yeah, I want to go. Then they're they're small market, and it's not a desirable location for the superstar, right? It's not the West Coast. It's not the East Coast. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know why, because you know, Denver's pretty. Denver's a big market yeah growing market. but like yeah. it's got it's got the money as far as market goes like but right but ultimately as, though like how did they get their players right Joe but they Murray. they're homegrown as well they're homegrown i mean aaron they did gordon. train f- trade for aaron gordon but again not a not a not a peace mover he's a that's a he's thir- not a superstar that's the he's third a, guy on their team maybe yeah, a fourth yeah. option on i think team. he's the fourth uh, if he was like a third, fourth option, I think he's great. And I think that's why it's a good trade and see, for Denver. That can, that's the type of piece I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. Denver was a beautiful, a beautiful, is actually like a beautiful comparison to New Orleans. You got your two superstars, right? You got your two all-stars. And then you didn't give a, up much for them. You have a nice complimentary piece. Hey, here's a first rounder and a couple, uh, here's a first rounder and some young prospect that we're not using right now. Yeah. RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton. Ours originally, by the way. Quick trivia for you. It was. It was. Yeah, we got Steven Adams for him, and then he went to OKC, and then they traded him to Denver for this guy, and who fucking knows? RJ Hampton would have played zero minutes. I watched him shoot. when we played Orlando. He did, he wasn't that great. I wasn't impressed. I mean, he can't shoot. He just got into the lane. But anyway, going like reversing it back a little bit, I hope that Kyra, Naw, B.I., Z- Zion, Jackson Hayes, Zoe, and Lonzo, like I just, I want that core to be successful so badly, and it could be 
yeah. so badly. I don't see why it can't be. I mean, Nall play look, he didn't have like the best night tonight, but he gave fucking everything the night prior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you can't I mean this comparison keeps coming up, but who did it, like if he's successful, like in the way he can get buckets, who does he remind you of? You're gonna use my player? The one that I that I well, no, I'm gonna use a different player. I know who you. I know who you're one, thinking of. The one that I can't stop comparing because all of the advanced stats, the raw stats, and the style of play just reminds me a little bit of C.J. McCollum. What about you, Jesse? You know who I'm talking about? Uh, no, no idea. I look, this dude's a Hall of Famer, so I'm giving a little too much credit here. Oh shit! But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, like, if we really want to follow that model, like Manu. Like, think yeah. about, no, like, if Lonzo is successful here. Yeah. Right? Or maybe Kyra. Um, Naw coming off the bench, if he can get that bench roll down as a two-guard and you don't have to give him that point guard responsibility and just let him take over the offense in the same way Manu did, it would be nasty. Because, like, Manu was basically a starter, but he, he was always that key reserve. And he would just come in and just punch the other team in the mouth no, dude. on the bench. I, I, I honestly Naw's think a different animal starting now. I think if um and, and this is just my honest opinion looking at Nas past couple of games, excluding this one just because I mean he he literally had to play his legs went on him. Yeah, I mean yeah, you, you, you coming on a back to a back and then and a game where you went to overtime and he shot what fucking forty shots and <laughs> he was our only source of offense for the most part. Yeah. Um I just think the way Naw and Kira have played, there's no way the team's going to overpay for Alonzo Ball. And if they don't play for Alonzo, overpay for Alonzo Ball, and Eric Bledsoe is as good as going this offseason, I think you can expect to see Naw moved into the starting lineup. Yeah, it's just really yeah. interesting with the guards we have and like how this team can be constructed because what kind of team do y'all think ideally we need to surround Zion and Brandon Ingram with? A lot of people will say shooters, maybe, so let's say a Utah-type team, right? We surround them with like, you know, Utah, a bunch of dudes that can, shoot, of team, yeah. that can shoot, or do you go heavy defense? Like, so what happens there, right? Because if you're going like heavy defense, maybe you need to bring Lonzo back and putting on the starting lineup to create a lot of length, and then maybe look at moving Steven Adams eventually, or maybe not. Maybe he works with that lineup eventually, but. I think defense might be the focus right now on me, but I don't know about y'all. And then yeah, that's the deal. Who yeah. fits with we that? We keep saying, we keep saying, everybody says shooters. I mean, when this team is healthy, we're a top five offense. We didn't think the shooting was going to be this good, though. What on our team? Yeah, I mean, Lonzo improved a lot. Bi still at forty percent. Uh, and as shitty as Eric Bledsoe's no, been, I still think he's shooting like 33, 34. No, he's shooting higher than that from three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's not even shooting bad from thirty. Like, yeah, that's like crazy. That's shooting. Yeah, yeah. The, sh the shooting obviously it can get better. And I think the LeBron model. I think was Josh Hart's our worst. That Josh Hart's terrible at shooting. Um, he he gets streaky, but he's fucking terrible. But no, we to to answer your question, though, Tyler, like we need. And JJ Reddick said that Stan Van Gundy doesn't like this, which is interesting. We need versatile wings that can defend multiple positions. And it's weird that J.J. Reddick said that Stan Van Gundy doesn't like that. No, I think he does like that. He I'm says saying. he wants he wants you to like he wants you individually to take it personally and lock up an individual player. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's what J.J. said on his podcast. But 
I think we need. I guys don't think that, that's true because he was just saying tonight. Josh Hart was our guy who guarded one through four. I know, right? Like so, right? Like he can guard multiple, right? <laughs> but Jackson Hayes is kind of a guy that can, like a big that can switch. That's athletic enough to switch on a guard too. Interestingly enough, but no, um, I think we just need more defensive guys coming in and 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 bringing that mentality to the team because we're gonna score at will. I have no like if you keep Zion and Bi together. We're going to score at will. And yeah. we're going to be a top five, top yeah. ten offense. We need to get our defense on lock. And I know everybody, a lot of people always focus on, like, the ineptitudes of this team offensively down the stretch. But, man, if we just had a decent defense, we wouldn't even need that down the stretch. Offense is not the problem with this team. And they say an offense at the end of the game is really just decision-making at the end yeah. of the right, game. Right, that right. makes the offense look bad. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. And some fucking free throw shooting would be yeah, nice. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think I think it's just defensive and versatile players, and you you see why Jay Crowder makes such a big difference in in Phoenix. I hate Jay Crowder. You hate Jay Crowder? I, I I just I remember watching him during Miami and being like, I can't believe I I thought Miami would do something. But this no, bastard. <laughs> Jay, Jay Crowder, just interestingly enough, um, I don't hate him, but Chris Paul was recruiting him hard to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could tell why. Like he does so many things right on a defensive end mm-hmm. is he gonna make he a does. bucket for you he will but like just that mentality and just that that grit i hate that word but i'll <laughs> use it just the grit that he brings on that side of the ball dude has has definitely swung the tide a little bit for phoenix and if we can get players like that i think that's a huge focus this offseason so i think we gotta ask the big question jesse Oh shit! Is the big question: Are we going to make the playoffs? No, Lonzo. We don't care about that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the big. That's question. the big question. Is one: Are we re-signing Lonzo potentially? Right, because it's going to be talked about. We'll talk about it later. But the reason I want to talk about it now because we're talking about constructing around this team. Is he that third key piece? The construction around this team, or would you like to use that to see what else you can get? I would like to. Ask this question to Jonathan. You coward. Yeah. And see, I'm going to kind of be a, co- a little bit of a coward, too, because I have no idea, uh, yeah, Tyler. I, I have really no don't. fucking No, clue. yeah, and that's fair. Okay. I don't. I, okay. I just, so somebody was saying this recently to me, and I was like, that, this kind of makes sense. Um, They were like, what guard are you going to get right now that's better than Lonzo Ball? It's a good question. And I, I had no answer. I was and like, I really was, don't know. That was one of the things I was going to ask. Is there really anything better than Lonzo as far as a guard? Well, the question becomes, you know, does Kyra fill that role? Yes. I, I don't think he's ready to. No. That's, that's the, I mean, that's the only reasonable answer because who are you going to go get? And the answer is nobody. Nobody, yeah. So you got to think, is that person on our team? It's not Noah. Noah's not a point guard. We need to stop pretending like he's a point guard. He's not. No. So the only other person would be Kyra. Is Kyra better than... Lonzo Ball. I think a lot of people are scared Lonzo is going to make a hundred million dollars. There's no way right? on a contract. I just don't see There's it. There's no way. I don't see it. I just don't. I think Lonzo is a good player, and I think he's going to get a decent payday. But to make twenty five million a year, I just everything. I, points, I, 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 I see his contract coming in anywhere between ten and fifteen million a year. Oh see that's I think it's gonna be higher than I that. think it's gonna be fifteen to twenty. Really? I think the Pelicans yeah. I think the Pelicans overpay to keep him. Well look, you look at his player type, right? And this is why I say fifteen to twenty. If we just looked at Lonzo as a point guard, and here's my weird thing about mm-hmm. the team construction. I don't think he's a great point guard. 
that's probably controversial what i just said sorry to the zoanon group or big fans he doesn't i think he's a good basketball player and i think he's readjusted his game but um if you look at what he's done and people's like oh y'all took the ball out of his hands and stuff like that but he's a great shooter from three um right now he's adjusted his game on that but you know it was really bad at the beginning of the season let's be honest and he's a good defender but not in the way everyone thinks he is because I'm going to say this right now. I said this in our group chat with Jonathan and Jesse. As a on-man perimeter defender, he's guarding, you know, uh, the the point guard or whatever. He's not great. I'm sorry. He's not great. As a help defender, he's extremely smart, extremely good on that side of the ball. He's the opposite of Drew Holiday. Can I just say that? Uh, yeah. As an on-ball defender, <laughs> we could count on Drew. As an off-ball defender, dude was like would fall asleep all the time. But uh, that's how I feel about Lonzo, but the opposite. And you know what that makes? A lot of the things that I said, and he's a great passer, by the way. Lonzo really is a great passer. And he's, uh, he's, he's pretty smart. I really do think he has a high basketball IQ. He's a great wing. Yeah. Which is fine, which fits in complimentary to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson being a yes, playmaker. Which is my thing. Yeah. Like but as him handling the guard, like you see him run a pick and roll and it's still awkward to this day. Yeah. It, I mean Noah and Kyra run better pick and rolls right now. Like yeah. him his his mid range takes a lot. He still doesn't have any kind of floater game. Him getting to the rim is ugly. The question for me is just always is Lonzo Ball paired with this team, right? Yeah, yeah. Does that elevate this team higher than what Lonzo is as an individual? You know, like, and, and that's the that's a common saying: is the sum of the parts higher than the parts themselves? It's that's I don't know the answer to that. I just don't know. We, we, yeah, yeah, we still don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It seems like when things are running smoothly and things are great, Lonzo Ball in this team on this team. The team looks unstoppable at times, right? Mm-hmm. Like unfucking stoppable. You can't guard us. But then that same exact team, and Lonzo Ball is part of the problem. That same exact team looks like they couldn't beat a G League team. It'll be for like stretches. two for ten or something like that. So like, like it's very volatile, and there's a high, um, you know, there's a high like deviation in Lonzo's game, seemingly from quarter to quarter. Uh, so is that worth? A $20 million contract? I don't know. I mean, you got to look at the other players that are making $20 million too. You're talking about like the, the most common Ricky one. Rubio made $20 million. Well, the most common. Uh, fuck, I just realized that. The most common one. <laughs> the most common one that Pelicans fans use though is Malcolm Brogdon. Because yeah, he makes yeah. $20 million. Fran Van Fleet makes like $21 million. Yes. Ricky Rubio makes the same area. Oh, this dude's not getting anything less than 18 So there's no That's... way he's not getting anything less than 18 Now, is he going to is he gonna get to that 25 range? Then he's ridiculously overpriced if he, if it look look if if it goes up to 25 mil you you have to pass you're, you're gonna have oh to. yeah dude if yeah. i mean you talk to, about I'm, you talk about drew holiday salary yeah. right like that's that's crazy to me i mean Whoa. you just don't have the cap I just, room i mean maybe if you can if it's you not can, even you don't just have the cap room he just doesn't give you enough production yeah for that money yeah, for that no. money you you completely limit yourself as a team but it's like if like somebody and everybody says this if the knicks come and take him for 25 million then I mean, you let them walk. Yeah, you know, like you do yeah. the smart thing. There you don't, you don't, walk. you don't do. Look, you, you you don't go Eric Gordon. Again. You don't. 
Hell no. You don't go full Eric Gordon again where Never again. you you overpay for this guy just because he was a part of a trade. J- just let him walk and then, and then try you know, to make up and, for it. And next season, if we have to listen to look at Lonzo Ball, he goes off for 25 points. Or why didn't we trade him and get something for him? Yeah, that's I hate that argument. That's such yeah. an ignorant argument. But if if he if he goes off next season, fine. But we're not paying him twenty. It's not going to be worth twenty five million. Yeah. What Lonzo Ball does is not going to be worth twenty five million. The only thing that makes me nervous is is Lonzo Ball on this team. Is the ceiling higher on this team with him on it? Yeah, that's the only thing that makes me. I nervous. like that argument. It's not. It's not about Lonzo Ball as a player. I think Lonzo Ball as a player is still growing, but you, it's obvious there's a ceiling there. Like you yeah. can see his ceiling on the court. But him together with Bi and with Zion, this does particular that, team does that raise the ceiling, and is that worth paying him those extra millions? No. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It seems like there is a, there's got to be a threshold that you can't go past. Because I think you can find other players that can bring, you know, at that same level of money, uh, bring a similar impact. Maybe it's not just one player. Maybe it's two players. But you also got to think a couple things with Lonzo. He does he does have you know some injury issues. He's not he's not a guy that plays. He's never played an eighty-two game season or close to it. Well, not that you expect a player to play eighty-two games, but I don't know if he's cracked seventy once. Mm, he always seems to have some type of tweak at yeah, least once a season, like, right? Yeah. Um. So you got things like that. Uh, his consistency. Let's be honest, it's not there. Right. He's not a consistent player yet. He's still not. Because, I mean, if you just, you you can go off of last month and be like, oh, look, he's been doing this for this long now and stuff like that. Okay, let's spread out the picture just a little bit. Let's spread it out over two years. There are halves of seasons where he's amazing, mm-hmm. and there's another half where he sucks. And it's always two seasons like in a row. His, his, he rolled his ankle or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it's just like, are other teams going to look at that too? But um, I guess to your point, Jonathan, I agree, and that's the interesting thing. Like, if he's on, the Pelicans are on, mm-hmm. and you know, does his game grow? And absolutely, it can, because he's shown something very rare is that he can adjust how he plays the NBA game, and that's what I talk about. Like, as far as like a basketball IQ, he's he's pretty high up there. He's yeah. pretty high up there. He's he's a he's a very freaking smart basketball player. And, you know, he's accepted his role with no complaint. He's a great teammate, um, great leader on the court. You know, sure, he doesn't get to the free throw line and stuff like that. But, you know, Zion and B.I. get you there enough. If you can get other players there, it's just, it's just going to depend. It's, it's, a, really it's, it's a very, very tough talk. I can that's see it going I wanted, either way. That's I, why I wanted to ask y'all because I just... Yeah, it, it can go either way. And I don't know where I to think, go. I mean, I think... I just think Lonzo fits so well on his team I for think, what we need. Right? Yeah, like, I think I he fits so well, but is that is that worth $23, 24000000 million? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, and that's a very tough question to ask. And I want to say with the fit, I hear people talk about the fit as far as like, uh, you know, okay, so like he's, he's just the perfect fit for Zion. What do you want next to Zion? You want someone who can play defense? And I'm like, just for my explanation on defense, just watch Lonzo when he's on the ball. Yeah, He gets blown by a lot. It's bad. He does not make his man, and maybe that's scheme. Maybe that's scheme. Mm. You know, that could just be part of standing on these day, give a couple feet off your man and stuff like that. But you watch him play some of these guards, dude, and they just like take him him off the dribble. Yeah. (laughs) And it is not great. Um, And then one of the things Drew Holiday made so good, and that's why we loved him, 
and not everyone's going to be Drew Holiday by any means. Eric Bledsoe, you bastard. Yeah, no, uh, Jesus. But like, just making your man uncomfortable is a big part of defense. Mm-hmm. You know, making him pick up his dribble and stuff like that. Lonzo is a great off-ball defender. I feel like, but his on-ball defense is severely overrated. And I just think that gets put in a lot as part of the argument. And I don't feel it's valid. Yeah, no, on ball defense, he sucks, but you're right. Like help defense, things I, like that. I think kinda, his shooting's valid. I think yeah. it, I will say his shooting's valid at this point. Even though he was inconsistent at the beginning of the season, I think I've seen enough of him and how he shoots to where I believe in his shot. His shooting's consist, consistent. His transition game is consistent. And like I said, his basketball IQ, like he's uh, he, high IQ, passing's you know, legit. I find for him most of the time it's a, it's like it looks like an effort issue. Intensity, so? intensity, intensity seems to be an effort. issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It's just because it's a contract year for him, so players play a little different in their contract year because you know they're trying to get paid, and maybe he's focusing a bit more on offensive end than defensive end. Maybe that's why it looks different this season as far as like the effort you're saying. Maybe he's saving his energy for that end of the ball because mm-hmm. he gets pretty high on his jumper. You know, so I'm sure that takes some. But here, here's the deal, too, man. Like we all like to pretend like we know what's best for this team, and yeah, and we all want to say these things. About oh yeah, Lonzo. talk to us two months ago and see what yeah. we say. We're right. completely wrong. Um, but we have to we we have to trust Stan Van Gundy. We have to trust David Griffin. We have to trust Trajan Langdon because they're there with the players every single day. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go throughout this game faking it. So they have to understand what Lonzo Ball's intentions are. They have to understand, is this effort that he's given, is it real on the court? Does he really want to be here? It's very difficult to fake things like that. Um, and the, you, you're going to get like an Eric Gordon type of vibe from him if he wants out, right? Mm-hmm. It might not be direct like that, but you can tell on the court like Eric Gordon wanted out. You can tell on the court several other players wanted out uh, with the Pelicans organization in the past if that's the sense then i trust them to make the right call on this yeah i i just think at the end of the day the the front office has a has a plan um and they're going to do their best to stick by that plan and it's to see what pieces fit next to zion williamson and brandon ingram i mean simple as that and i mean i i do think the stephen adams trade isn't as good smart as a move as we initially anticipated no, well, yeah, I think I said, but to, to, I think also he does play an important role for this team. Mm-hmm. He does give us uh, an enforcer down low, and does give us. He definitely tries. Like, you know, so he, he definitely tries. And, and look, off, but yeah, but then again, like his offense is a lot more polished than I thought. Adams is very valuable to this team. The, the problem with Adams is you bring Adams in if you're a playoff type of team. Yeah. So like, he, we're not a playoff team with him. You know, like, I feel like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I struggle with. I say this all the time. Guys, we can be 20 and 27 or whatever we are. We can be 20 and 27 and play the young guys mm-hmm. and not pay Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams $35 million. Like, we can have this same record without Bledsoe and Adams. It seemed like those two players brought in um, just seemed like a playoff type of move, and it's just not paying it's dividends. Just not paying, yeah. yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, we can say... Like I said this when we when we got Steven Adams or whatever on our podcast, but David Griffin has a plan. Is that the correct plan? No, but I want him to stick to it. You yeah. know, I don't want him to keep adjusting and 
be in the middle of nowhere and not know what to do. Like and if he's got a, a plan team every year, we've seen that, you with know, Dems. let's go with it. You know, he invested in Stan Van Gundy. He invested in Steven Adams. That doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, take detours. Obviously I'm sure he thought Eric Bledsoe would be good. Okay. So it's time to get rid of him. And, and you know, if you yeah. can, if you can get off Steven Adams and get something that fits better because Jackson Hayes development has skyrocketed or something yeah. like that, then you do it. You, you make adjustments, but overall he's got a plan. Is it the right plan? We don't know yet. But yeah, we'll have to find out, and uh, and we will, you know. I mean, it, it just takes time. Yeah, I would say with the player development, like I don't, I think I'm giving credit to Teresa Weatherspoon because I've seen her working with Hayes before, and she's yeah. been getting credit. But like Jackson Hayes, Naw, like even Kyra, like right now, like yeah, with you the can't, young guys, they're all doing, having a better second half. I mean, yeah. you can't complain at That's, all about player development. That's why you bring in guys like Corey Brewer and. That's why you bring in coaches like yeah. Teresa Witherspoon, and that's why you keep uh, just Hayes adjustments. Doesn't that feel like? Doesn't it feel so weird? Like he's just so much more disciplined now. It was just, it, just it, it was it was a, it was like a snap of the fingers because there was like, dude, he was, it was like the, I can't remember what game it was, but he had one game where everyone was like, what he got he had got benched for a certain period of time, and Willie Hernan Gomez had pretty much taken all of his minutes. Yeah, and then and. He got in for like a game and he played he looks legit. Yeah, he had looked legit, and then you know he's continued to look legit. He had, I mean, there is no doubt about it. It's he's not even probably dunks either. He's probably besides Zion Williamson our most athletic player on the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's he might even be more. our most athletic he, player. Yeah, he like, might see the dunk he did tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you can't. Uh, if if we are talking about story arcs this season, player development is a very positive one. Yeah, and that's what, and and just just quoting somebody from from like the Twitter sphere, but like Michael McNamara, who used to be a part of like Bourbon Street Shots and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like he said that like this season was all about player development, and if we can watch these guys get twenty to twenty five minutes a night and grow as players then it was a successful then, season. then it was a successful season like we we weren't expecting to win a championship and i think at some point that's how you have to look at it right like you have to and and i just have to agree with that like if you're not going for a championship then what should you be going for you should be going for player development and seeing your guys pan out into into hopefully eventual championship quality players but we were we were ready to give up on Hayes. We were ready to give up. Oh, on dude, he was tra- they were, they I mean, were horrible. We about it just straight on. There was they were unplayable at times. At times yeah, like and straight DNP quite often the beginning of the season, and, and 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 deservingly so. Like they were bad. Like they were not good at but, all. Dude, you see him and like he's not jumping at things right now. He still jumps and like flops and hits the floor, and you're like, oh my god, did he just break his leg or you know? But like. He's just staying down sometimes, but like I think what's so impressive and why Stan Van Gundy like jumped to put him back in is like when he comes to trap the ball, uh, when he comes on the uh, off a screen to hard hedge, and he gets his hands up, guards are like fuck, yeah, yeah, like they can't get the ball over him, yeah, and like it was the same effect we kind of saw with Derek Favors last year, but that was more in the paint, and you can kind of see it with Stephen Adams. He's just such a change of pace for the opposing team when you go up against Adams and favors like surely these are guys they know to be in the right spots and stuff like that but like you can put the ball over them pretty easily you ain't gotta worry about that and then here comes Jackson Hayes who can jump 12 feet in the air yeah okay I can't get the ball up so now what do I do what's cool about Hayes and Noah and Zion and 
I guess I can add Kyra to this list now. It fe- it feels like those group of guys just fucking enjoy being around each other. Yeah. And it feels like we're just like watching the kids grow, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And that's like a narrative. I am here. Like I'm here for it. Dude, that Keep also the I'll lineup be- with Kyra, Naw, it was Josh Hart. It was Kyra, oh, Naw, yeah. Josh Hart, Zion, and Hayes. Unreal. Was fucking that was the knocking funnest. teams on their ass. They were outrunning everybody in the gym, out yeah. jumping everybody in the gym. Dude, that was the funnest lineup. That shit was nuts. They let Zion run the point. Uh, they let Kyra do it a little bit, but like you know, Josh Hart is out there just giving his full hustle. Combine that with Jackson Hayes and just Zion making Zion's got some space just because everyone's spread out at that point because everyone can pretty much shoot and Hayes is just so limber. He's just wherever. Yeah. You know, and he can move really well, like up and down in the half court situations, you know, but like Steven Adams, he's got to play so far back off of screens and mm-hmm. stuff like that because he just can't move laterally that quick coming off of screen. You know so he's got to ice a lot. You know what's up next for Hayes? He's going to develop that jump shot. Yeah. He's going to develop that 18 foot jump shot. Well, I think with his athletic ability right now, he doesn't really need to if he, he can. He doesn't, but it's, it's going to happen. But yeah. It's going to happen. He's got it. the, and he's got a free throw shot. That was the thing yeah. with, with Billy, Willie, whatever. Yeah. Billy, Willie. He doesn't have a, <laughs> he doesn't have a, he oh, doesn't have Billy. a free throw. Little Billy. <laughs> but Hayes, Hayes can hit his free throws. Yeah. And he gets fouled a lot too because, I mean, he's always in the air. <laughs> Dude. That his posters this season because last season he was he could have got those but he wasn't finishing finishing yeah. and now he's finishing yeah, he's finishing them and you're like holy they said he's been in the weight room a lot you can tell he, with bigs it, same thing happened to Anthony Davis and then you shoulders. look before that and Dwight Howard but you look at their shoulders, shoulders yeah, yeah and yeah, it's yeah. just such a sign that yeah. hey they're growing into their you know bodies and yeah. in the league and Jackson Hayes shoulders are definitely bigger so yeah he's he's definitely been putting in work. I think he's just uh, maybe an, another season away. Yeah. I think Kyra's maybe a season away, maybe two. And, I mean, that's a part of it, you know, just like you said, Jesse. I have like, an interesting question for you guys. Uh-huh. Fans are coming back next season. Does that, like, change the dynamic of our team at all? Yeah, I mean. I'm sure it does. I think yeah. it changes the dynamic of basketball. People don't want to agree with me, but I really it do does. think. I really think shooting is as high as it is is because there's no fans. Right. People don't agree with me on that, and they're like, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. Well, you can, like, statistically look at it, and the shooting's the best it's ever been across the league. I'm just thinking, how hyped would we be, and how much would that change the game? Um, You just kind of feel the momentum changing. The momentum changing, yeah. a Jackson Hayes dunk. Or a Zion Williamson poster. I mean, How I was there sh- for Zion's debut game. That was we lost that game, but the the run we went on with yeah, Zion yeah. sixteen I'm just straight. Saying, you can't tell me this new the New Orleans crowd that we have that's interested in the Pelicans is a relatively young crowd. Mm-hmm. Like you can't tell me that's not going to be a college atmosphere in there with Zion in there with Bi in there oh, Jackson Hayes booming on people. We're missing that. Yeah, like we're missing that. I feel like we're really missing out. Like I feel yeah. like our team, our team, energetically, I, I don't, and uh, we defensively, are, some of our fans are fairly fair, fair weather, and I don't blame them sometimes. But like when we're when we're under five hundred, attendance is always low. Low. Yeah. If you give us a sniff at the playoffs, attendance will just shoot yeah, up I like think, that. I think if we're full, I mean, <clears throat> if we're full, if we're allowed to be full attendance next year, you're going to see sold out games a lot in the beginning of the season. 
that's if we're not injury prone and yeah. you know we're winning games. I think it's. I think we're at that yeah. tipping point. We're at that, guys. We're at that OKC. We're at the Golden State. We're at that turning of the corner that's about to happen. I, I think, think so. I think and even we, if it doesn't happen this season, I don't think it happens. And, and this I still think it it could have happened this season, but this little injury bug we came across these last couple of games is just. Josh Hart probably Josh Hart the probably season. done for the season. That's, That's gonna hurt. Hart done. Lonzo Ball probably comes back. Hopefully, uh, Zion's thumb isn't that serious, right? Uh, they said it's not supposed it's not to be serious. serious. They said I originally thought it was it was supposed to be bad. Yeah, these two games were huge. These two games were very easy, winnable games, and we lost them. Fucking thumbs. But right I mean, now. it, it all came down to not having our entire starting right. lineup. Yeah. I mean that, that's but, as easy as two. You you don't y'all have saw your my tweet. Yeah, with Bledsoe. Bledsoe's the last. The last standing. They had people guy. saying we were trying to tank. No, we're not trying to tank. Why? No, there's no tank. Yeah, no. Nah. Tell me, Stan Van Gundy's trying to fucking tank after playing well, Bledsoe. We, I think we know why everyone sat out tonight. Yeah. specifically, we play Sunday. Right. Like we just played we play a back to back Thursday, games Friday. In four days. Yeah, and then we play again Sunday. They're like, well, fuck this. Let's just. Rest our Let guys. everybody rest. Yeah. We got to go to Houston four days. and let's try and win that. It's crazy. And they said it was going to be rough. Any predictions on the Houston game? Um, Individuals. Well, you don't have to say win or loss. If we have like a relatively healthy roster, we should it's win that easy game win. easily. Yeah. I, I just want to see Kyra get some minutes. Pelicans are good about yeah. playing to the level of their opponents. Oh, yeah. That, that is true. We're getting better at it, thankfully, but... Yeah, one of my favorite quotes that we said this year was, "We generate positivity here on the Pelly Podcast through negativity." Mm-hmm. So, Pelicans are washed. Yeah, and I would say just like this, this, this line, the the roster doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> uh, David Griffin's a fucking douchebag. Car salesman. Yeah. Uh, Trajan Langdon, what does he do? He's just a straw man at this point. So. <laughs> That's that's my that's my positivity of the night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll say on a serious note, to be honest, like I told Jonathan and Jesse, just enjoy the young guys. Enjoy them right now. Like if they're playing and they're healthy, because that's all I wanted out of the season was healthy yeah. Zion and healthy Bi, and I'm getting we, it. We're all getting the most part, and I'm just enjoying them. And we have a we have a young fun team. Are they fucking aggravating at times? Are they like head scratching moments with this team? Yes, I but, think that in, I'm being serious. I'm, I think that ends really soon, and we almost saw the end of it, right? Yeah. Like these past month or so, we saw the end of it. We're starting to see the end of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was a couple times, you know, not fucking bobbled the ball out of bounds. I had fun with that Dallas game last week. I was when Zion clutched at the end. I mean, I know it was yeah. a Luka Doncic, you know, whatever without about yeah. the talent, but it was just like I haven't had too many like games this season where i was like really super into the game and having fun i was enjoying stuff but it's just like when you're watching it for basketball it's tough to enjoy it i get it because we're losing mm-hmm. but like when you're actually just watching the nuances of the game and you just there's stuff i'm seeing this season that i've never ever saw watching new orleans basketball and it's just like how zion's playing the game and like young guys coming in and not being Austin Rivers or fucking Julian Wright. Right. You yeah. know, uh, it's just like, wait, this, this guy the, can be good? This is the first time we've we, we've grown young dudes, right? This has to be. Yeah. What's the last What's the last young dude we had? We thought uh, Buddy Heal was going to be one. That Anthony, was, what, Anthony, six months? Anthony Davis. 
Well, no, yeah. Right, yeah, but I mean, just saying, like, as a team, growing a team from the youth up, like, Dude, we got, we got, oh. we got you go by, you go back to the Chris Paul era, we don't have any. We don't, yeah. And that's what I'm saying, but look how, look how bad, look how. Marcus Thornton and Darren Collins. That was and they were right, gone and we immediately. Them. They were yeah. gone immediately. Why yeah. did we instantly trade them? Because we tried to fit shit around the a championship caliber team, right? Yeah. It didn't work. But look how, look, like, there's something to that, though. Look how quickly fans grasp to young picks that were homegrown. Like oh, yeah, Marcus definitely. throwing Darren Cobb. Look how quickly we grasped. Look how quickly we but grasped like, the body healed. Yeah. And it, we've never had that. It, this team that we have now, people are grasping onto Jackson. My fucking girlfriend knows all about Jackson Hayes. She don't watch a damn lick of Pelicans basketball. <laughs> she knows all about Kyra Lewis. She knows all about Nikhil Alexander Walker because it's these young guys that we bring in. The Lakers are still talking about Brandon. Or she's anyway. hearing, God damn it, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, look at the Lakers fans all the time. Are looking for updates on Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Yeah, and they, they miss home, them because they home. It was there was a homegrown sentiment with those guys, and the Lakers yeah. never get that. They never get that. Yeah. That was the first time they've ever gotten it, and they're still attached to it. I know they're not upset about their team, but you ever thought, like look back at the players they like they drafted and that are gone, like uh, Ingram, Ball, Ball like Hart, star Clarkson. Besides Hart, I think Hart, like that D'Angelo Ball. I mean D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, um, and. Julius Randle, did you say that? Yeah, like so four, yeah. four all-stars and two like really great players. Yeah, they would have been a legit team if they got together, and I would guarantee you those fans would attach to them a lot more. It, it doesn't feel like... Well, it worked for them. Yeah, I mean, they, they got their championship. I guess you're happy. That's what I'm saying. I, that's why I want this team that we have constructed right now to be successful so badly because it, it would feel so legitimate, and what? it would feel so, I guess to quote David Griffin, I fucking hate it, organic. Yeah. It so well, organic. it means something... <laughs> And like we talked about earlier, but it means something when the team actually believes in the players. Like mm-hmm. our organization was so ready and so willing to give up on a young dude like quick because they yeah. weren't good mm-hmm. yet. They weren't going to be good for two or three years. This Pelicans organization has patience. They have patience on these young guys. Jackson Hayes sucked. They were they, we gave up on them because we're used to that, right? We were right, like, yeah, hey, you suck yeah, after you a suck. month. You fucking suck. Yeah. And then we wait for them to go two years later, and they're great. And we're like, what the fuck happened? This is unbelievable. You know, uh, but David Griffin, from as far as I can tell, and all them, they didn't panic. You know, Um, they believed in him. They brought Hayes back in, they brought Naw back in, they kept giving him their chances. You know, they uh, his quote about like whatever earning minutes was pretty fucking stupid. That was a stupid ass quote. Uh, that's stupid as cool. That was stupid, stupid because cool. the guy everyone was talking about, and we all knew. But it was kind of funny because that literally the next game they played, he just went with Kyra because he's like, well, yeah, maybe they got a point. But like, it was about Eric Bledsoe. It was about yeah. Bledsoe. It was like about everybody Bledsoe. was talking about Bledsoe. No one was talking about like fucking Brandon Ingram needs to lose right, minutes to right. all. Like nobody yeah. was saying that. It was Eric Bledsoe, and you're like, yeah, he's got to earn minutes. So what? Eric Bledsoe can air ball at three. For the fourth and still time, be at thirty in two minutes games. a game. So, yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, but just believing in your players is a big thing for me, and I just I'm having a lot of fun with it, and just watching them. It's not even just like something as generic, just watching them grow. It's just seeing like, hey, wait a second, this guy can actually be good. Holy and then, shit! And then that's how legends are made. I mean, yeah. just think about the the San Antonio. We've never done it this way. Just think about Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, managing Nobly in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. gods right like uh other, other small i guess not smallish but kyra's like, untouchable right 
if if Eric Bledsoe airballs a three, somebody will literally stab him for free. If Kyra <laughs> airballs a three, like, we will uh, literally tell him a bedtime yeah. story to ease his pain. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> say shit about Kyra. Yeah, that is truth. Yeah. So uh, we'll try to do this a little bit more frequently. Yeah, we'll see y'all in June. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, by the rate we're going this season, yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll do a locker room, dude. I don't know. That that seems to be blowing up now. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, st- we're all still part. Of- you still got the app? Yeah. I, got it. I actually logged in because Jake Madison was doing a thing and I just logged in and I'm like, yeah, does this still work? Let me see if it, you know, it was in there. Jake Madison was- went on locker room without ads? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Jake Madison. Well, yeah, actually- first off, he's had some really good takes lately. Shout yeah. out to Jake. But Jake would be like, yeah, and so to recap the Pelicans after our sponsors. And it's like four <laughs> it's minutes like, of sponsors, yeah. dude. I'm like, dude, it's, go get your, it's hard to listen to. Go get to. your bread, dude. I appreciate it. And I like your takes when you when you when I hear you, when I actually listen to you, but I can't listen to you. Yeah, I, I wonder anymore, if man. he would help if he did that and he just did it twice a week on like an hour podcast. I could deal with the ads if they were a bit more spaced out, but it's like it's like three every, long ad segments for a twenty four minute show. I mean, luckily on Spotify, you can just fast forward right through all that. I'll shit, say a quick podcast for everyone to check out if we don't ever come out with one ever again is uh, the uh, bird, not bird rights. Uh, Fucker calls, maybe. Maybe. God damn it! Well, what a uh, fucking plug that was. I know, right? <laughs> Sorry about it. But Christian Clark runs the podcast. I think he's great. I think he does a great job Christian on Clark's that podcast. Amazing. Amazing. Um, it's really good. He usually comes out with it once a week. Also, Scott Kushner has one where they come on and talk about Saints. They're a lot more like unrealistic with it, like. But he he goes pretty in depth. But it's pretty funny because he kind of comes from a fan standpoint where he's like. I want to fucking kill myself as a Pelicans fan yeah. sometimes, you know. And people got pissed at him for that, but like I get where he was coming from. I have another podcast for you guys, and the name of it is Let me play this 30 second ad really quickly before I say it. No, fuck it. <laughs> That's messed Stupid up. Bastard. That's messed up. Um but no man, there's a lot of good like we're probably the height, the highest height I've ever seen for Pelicans coverage. Like everybody's yeah. talking about them. There's so many really, really good local coverage guys. Um I think and- we could do more and i just we i think we're all gonna do more hopefully um jesse jesse's in a band and yeah jesse's Jesse's doing big things jonathan had a kid yeah and i had a i had a baby i did nothing and (laughs) tyler has some crazy stories for us about ramen noodles and stuff um (laughs) oh my god (laughs) uh but no yeah it's just hard i mean life comes at you you know we're i'm 30 jesse's 20 29 for a few months yeah, I mean, so, like, we're all pushing 30. It's, we're getting at that age where life's coming at us, you know? It's tough to do this. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to get them. So, yeah. give them some pressure. Then they'll do it. They'll buckle. Well, shout out to a couple of people who hit me up on Twitter. And I got a couple, like, fucking Reddit DMs asking us when we when we posted. No again. way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Like, dude, when are, y- when are y'all going to fucking post? Well, you kill again? it on the Twitter account. So, we get pretty good engagement on there. Yeah. Like you always come out with something witty, and I'm like, God, I wish I could say something like that. I'm a clip. I'm a clip audio for this for this episode. And Jonathan runs our Twitter account, in case y'all haven't noticed. Like ninety percent of the time, yeah. I get on there sometimes. If it makes sense, it's probably Tyler tweeting. If it doesn't make sense, it's and probably you laugh me at it, and Jonathan then I just does. never tweet. <laughs> no. You just go on Facebook, you Dude, fucking idiot. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've been fighting on Facebook on my personal account, but the only like. 
I don't think I really woke up on Twitter until the JJ trade. I was like, oh, hell no. That lit some kind of spark oh, under that. See, no. look, we had a podcast because of it. And yeah. Yeah. I, that, that was like, dude, I just can't let that go. Shout out to JJ for getting this podcast together. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you, JJ. Yeah. Hope your podcast fails, you bastard. I'll never listen to his podcast <laughs> ever, ever again. again. Yeah. <laughs> ever again. And look, maybe we are being homers with the whole JJ situation, but who gives a shit? Yeah. I'm tired of being nice, y'all. Fuck. The Pelicans organization has fucking sucked in the past. It's time to like... Let's be some winners. Yeah, let's be some winners. Exactly. Dude. Let's have the cutthroat mentality. So hopefully we'll be back sooner than in four or five months. You know? Yeah, we'll see. I we'll think see. we could do it. Yeah. Where's the over-under? <laughs> I'm going with the under because I'm. A, we're okay, gonna make it happen. Under. It's okay. gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a little bit easier. I also, think. we need an intro. If uh, yeah, we gotta redo the intro. We do gotta redo the intro. Yeah, we were supposed to redo it, and then uh, I'm gonna make some shirts too. I'm gonna get some shirts yeah, together. That works. Yeah. All right. All well, right that's, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. That's yeah. gonna be it for this week. Like, rate, and review us. And uh, remember, we're sponsored by uh, Man Chopper. Yeah. Get your pew like. Like, dude, all the Pelicans podcasts are all about your pubes getting shaved. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm not even joking. Is it really? Yeah, dude. You really got landscape? Bird writes, the Bird Rights one, I've listened to it a couple times, and they got our boy Kevin on there. It's yeah. pretty cool and stuff. But, dude, it'll be like the the guy who's like a host. He also does stuff with Orlando. And it'll come on. It'll go to, dude, they'll be like, yeah, so Lonzo Ball. And then it'll just come on, and this dude's like, ah, that's the sound I make when I fuck up shaving my pubes. No way. <laughs> I swear to God. Dude, you know I'm making that up. They can't do that on Bourbon Street shots because they're all prepubescent. <laughs> oh my god, we've gone too far. Let's cut this end of the yeah. podcast. Uh, nobody <laughs> listens anyway. Yeah. So it's fine. <laughs> all right, with that, y'all have a great night. Absolutely. Yeah. See you next time. later, y'all. Later. <laughs>